Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa, Internet World, West Alabama, right here in downtown Northport. This is the Joe Gaither Show right here on Bama Central, BamaCentral.com. You're watching us, of course, on Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated home for your Alabama Crimson Tide. I am Joe Gaither. You're seeing us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter as well on Insta, and you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on Amazon. We are here on a Tuesday edition of the Joe Gaither Show right here on Bama Central. And whoo, we are sorry. First, we are sorry. We missed you yesterday. I was feeling a bit under the weather on Monday. Didn't really do a whole lot of anything. So I apologize to you guys. We're not seeing you on Monday. And we're back here on a Tuesday. And we're going to recap the weekend because what else are you going to do on a bye week? Welcome in. It's Bama bye week. So we're going to try to have as much fun as we can. Of course, we encourage you guys to follow us at Joe Gaither 6 on all the social media machines. You can find us on Twitter, X, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, at Joe Gaither 6. Send me your comments, your questions, your queries, and complaints. We are here first before we get into Alabama and Tennessee, the big old weekend win for Alabama. Whoo, what a weekend it was. Maybe that's why I was under the weather yesterday. How many cigars did you smoke over the weekend? Enjoying Alabama's big old win, 34 to 20 over Tennessee. Yes, sir, Wendell Hare. How about that comeback? It was a beautiful comeback. Alabama down 13 points at halftime. And how many of you, how many of you, Counted Alabama out. How many of you were firing Tommy Reese? Were firing uh, Kevin Steele? Were getting rid of Jalen Milrow? Were dumping all the running backs and jumping off the bandwagon? Not me. Not me. I was a little bit nervous. Definitely a little bit nervous. Before we get into the ball game, we can t- encourage you to subscribe and find our other Bama Central Broadcasting Network podcast. Our friends, Blue Collar Unplugged, just dropped their newest episode to celebrate the start of a new season. Blake Byler, Jacob Pickle, Matthew Gibson, the trio, bringing you all things Bama basketball related. They are there. Blue Collar Unplugged. You can find them, of course, wherever podcasts are found. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, most likely and of course you can find them right there on the front page of bamacentral.com those guys are bringing you all things bama basketball as bama basketball just had their preseason their secret scrimmage against the tcu horn frogs so we are i mean we encourage you to follow those guys and listen to those and we won't talk about the tcu horn frog secret scrimmage even though we want to oh grant nelson and sam walter is going crazy uh yes alabama did lose in case you're living under a rock alabama lost but mark sears and several alabama players did not play in the game our guys at blue collar unplugged are talking about the uh, secret scrimmage on their first episode we encourage you guys to follow them Ah, uh, the kids are chatting this morning. We've got or this afternoon. We got the dog and the cat below us. We've had a fun weekend, really. Uh, resting. Hey, what's wrong? What's wrong? We're live here, buddy. You need to go out. Look here. Go. Yeah, you can go. There we go. Well, we will let uh, we'll let the dog, the cat, on out, and that way he can go do what he wants to do. All right. So, welcome back in. We're going to talk about Alabama beating Tennessee over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you one of the ones that gave up over the weekend? What are we going to talk about first? Oh, my gosh. There's so many storylines from this game. Uh, I want to talk about Josh Heupel going for it on fourth down several times. I want to talk about Josh Heupel's comments or lack thereof on the officials. I want to talk about the defense, the defensive adjustments on the game. I want to talk about the edge pressure. I want to talk about Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell. I want to talk about Jalen Milrow, of course. I don't want to talk about the crowd. The crowd, very, very into the game. I want to give them a big old shout-out because they uh, they really stepped up and, and brought it. Uh, they, they brought it much more against Tennessee than they have all year long. Give them a big old, uh, big old kudos and shout-out. I want to talk about Jihad Campbell. Uh, I want to talk about Kool-Aid McKinstry, his punt returning or lack thereof. And after we get done talking about the Alabama game, I want to talk about Michigan a little bit. I want to talk about Michigan and their scouting practices. And I want to just talk about the college football landscape. Okay, so let's get into the game. Alabama's down 20 to 7 at halftime. And how many of you, how many of you were giving up? How many of you were ready to turn the TV off? How many of you were canceling your plans for Atlanta in December? How many of you were punting on championship aspirations? After going down 20 to 13. Now, look, okay, 
The first drive was uh, not good. The first drive was really not good. Alabama coming out in uh, really their odd front. Coach Saban admitted that. He, they came out in, a, in an odd front, and that really disrupted the back end, the back end coverage. Uh, and I think that that hurt Alabama both uh, stopping the run and stopping the pass. And I think Coach did think that that was going to be the right answer going into the game, but quickly abandoned that. All right, first drive of the game. Tennessee goes right down the field, scores a touchdown. Let me click on our drives here. It was a uh, 78-play, 75-yard drive, really right down the field. What, two and a half minutes? Yeah, two and a half minutes, uh, ending, of course, with the squirrel white touchdown over Chris Braswell, 39-yard touchdown pass over over Chris Braswell. And many of you were like myself, thinking, what in the world is Chris Braswell doing out there in pass coverage trying to chase down Tennessee's pretty much fastest receiver and and likely best receiver after Brew McCoy, after Brew McCoy went down with injury in the South Carolina game. Unfortunate for Brew McCoy. Uh, And we we hate that for anybody. We don't want injuries for anybody, really, uh, whether they're with Alabama or with our opposition. But, okay, first drive of the game, you're thinking, what the bleep? What the bleep are we doing? You got Chris Braswell, an outside linebacker, running in coverage, 39 yards down the field, and Joe Milton hits him over the top for a beautiful touchdown pass. And it was beautiful. Give them credit where credit is due. They go up 7 to nothing. And from there, really, the Alabama offense, oh, my gosh, the Alabama offense, it took them ages. It took them, well, not ages. It took them a hot minute to get going. They went punt, punt. Uh, punt, punt, fumble, and then punt uh, through the first couple of drives. Terrible. Terrible. Punt, punt, fumble, punt. Uh, not good. So they went nine yards, nine plus 23 is 32. Minus two is 30 yards. They ended up getting, uh, what, so 66 yards of total offense before they really got things going with a nine-play, 59-yard drive, touchdown drive that got Alabama really kind of back into the ball ballgame uh, with, uh, let's see, Jermaine Burton's 10-yard, 10-yard reception. And goodness gracious, Jermaine Burton, I have said it already on this show. Uh, many people maybe haven't heard it before, but going into the year, yes, Jermaine Burton, I was out on you. I was out on Jermaine Burton. I thought that you were not really going to be able to step up. I thought that you were immature and not really going to be able to change plays or change, excuse me, change the game. Jermaine Burton, I'm sorry. I am wrong. I am wrong, and you have dis- you have proven me wrong over the last maybe three or four weeks here with the Alabama Crimson Tide, making plays one-on-one down the field, making plays against Texas A&M, obviously your huge day against A&M, and then you had a huge day against Tennessee as well. Uh, you can basically talk about it not being like a monster day, but it was four catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown on six targets. So your catching percentage, 67%, and really, goodness gracious, Two of your four catches were in the middle of all kinds of traffic. In the middle of all kinds of traffic, you obviously had the touchdown reception for uh, in the middle of traffic, and then late in the game, having a third and uh, what, third and twelve, third and nine, something like that. Uh, big old, a big old third down reception over the middle, in between two or three guys. I really, really want to extend my apologies to Jermaine Burton and my kudos to James Burton, uh, Jermaine Burton, excuse me, for really stepping up, uh, stepping up and taking this wide receiver one spot for the Alabama Crimson Tide. So look, yeah, Alabama gets back to into the game at at what seven, uh, seven, seven? Was that what it was? Uh, yeah, you're at, yeah, you know, well, you're at seven, uh, you're at seven thirteen. Yeah, you're at seven thirteen. And you're thinking, okay, Alabama's in this. Many people are already texting me thinking, oh, my gosh, Alabama's going to lose, this, that, and the other. Yeah, you're at 713. And Alabama, at this point, you've you've had two red zone stops. You've, stopped, you've made some adjustments on defense. You've changed some things up. And Josh Heupel has already, has basically already shown you uh, some of his desperation. After the touchdown to make it 7-13, Josh Heupel goes for it on fourth down, one of his three fourth down uh, uh, t- attempts, and he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it right at the Tennessee, uh, what, 34-yard line? Is that it? Yeah, right at the Tennessee 34-yard line. So they're backed up. You give Alabama a great field position, and yeah, it was fourth and one, so really I would have gone for it as well. I would have, but... Alabama gets it back with a chance to take the lead. And oh my gosh, backbreaking. At this point, at this point, I don't know why anyone 
was ready to give up on Alabama because, yeah, you've seen terrible offense. You've seen, what, one, two, three, three punts in a row. What, one, two, let me count the drive chart. Two, two, three punts in a row with a fumble uh, until the touchdown. But you got the touchdown. You're down 13-7. You get the, the stop on fourth down, and you get the ball back. And literally, you are going into the end zone. Jalen Milrow going into the end zone, a one-on-one pass, trying to give Jermaine Burton another shot at it. And the safety coming from over the top gets a batted ball for an interception. Oh, just horrible luck. Horrible luck for Alabama. Uh, But you're still right there in the game. And that's why I didn't understand a lot of the Alabama perspective online. You saw Adam Wheel talk about, oh, we may never see a championship again, but I'm going to celebrate the ones that we have. You saw a lot of people getting nostalgic and thinking, oh, my gosh, we're going to lose. And I just didn't understand it. I understand it. Okay, yeah, Tennessee responds with an 80-yard, 10-play 80-yard touchdown drive to go 20-7. to Yeah, that really did sting badly. It hurts your heart badly. Uh, Alabama back out on the field uh, on defense and really gave up the 80 yards. It stung badly. So you're down 20 to 7. Okay, you're down 20 to 7 and you're thinking, well, you know, things haven't gone great, but you're still right there in this game. I don't understand. I don't understand whether it's the Alabama perspective, whether it's a college football perspective, whether it's just the way that fans are. There were so many people jumping off the boat, writing this team off, thinking that, oh, gosh, it's over. We're never going to win another game. The championship, the dynasty is dead. And the game still had half of its game left. And that's what I understand. You had half its game left. You're down 13. You played nearly your worst half offensively that you've played, oh, gosh, all year? Maybe all year? Okay, maybe not as bad as your two USF halves. But as bad as you've played offensively, uh, I guess dating back to the week earlier against Arkansas, the second half against Arkansas, you still had some of the, I guess, hangover effect from the Arkansas game. That's all I don't really understand. Like, all right, you take some of that, but like, do we not uh, do, do we not account that Nick Saban is on the sidelines? And look, I know I'm supposed to be objective, and I'm trying to be as objective as possible, but I did grow up uh, in Chattanooga in the 90s, and so, yeah, beating Tennessee is really personal for me. Whenever Tennessee loses, I am very happy. I am ex- exorbitantly happy, and I was exorbitantly happy on Saturday with the final result. But at halftime, Okay, you can say, Joe, you were doubting, you were scared. I was nervous, absolutely nervous, but definitely still realizing that the game was fully in reach at 13 points, getting the ball back in the first in the second half. You're right there in the game. What do you need to do? What do you need to do, Nick Saban? You need to drive the field. You need to score a touchdown and cut the lead from 13 to 6. And what do you do? Two plays later. Two plays into the half. You do exactly that. So I don't understand. I don't understand the angst that goes into uh the angst that goes into the Alabama fan base at halftime where oh my gosh we're gonna lose we're down 13 points we're never gonna win another game the championship was over the dynasties are over oh gosh give Tennessee the win like there's a whole nother half here and did you forget that Nick Saban is in the locker room I'm sorry like I, I know I'm supposed to be an, uh, an objective journalist but we're talking about the single greatest college football coach of our lifetimes. Sure, some of you guys might date back to, to Coach Brian. And if you do, you can, you have definitely a, a debate there. But of my lifetime, certainly. Of, certainly. Uh, can you tell me a better college football coach since 1989? No, you cannot. I'm sorry. So you've got the single greatest college football coach on the sidelines since 1989, uh, at least so in my lifetime. And you're down 13 points with the ball coming out. It's not like, oh gosh, you just got drummed 30 to nothing. It's not like you're down 28 to three. Oh, sorry. Haven't you seen that comeback before? I know Super Bowl, NFL, it's a whole lot different. But the Falcons, they had like a, a quarter and a half left to burn out, and they would have won a championship. I'm sorry. It's going to take a lot more. It's going to take a lot more than a 13-point deficit against a better rival to sit here and say that the game is over, especially at halftime when there's plenty of time left. You're about to go make adjustments. You just drove the, the you just drove half the field and threw a dumb interception. Yeah, it was a dumb interception into the end zone at a chance to actually take the lead. 
So it's not like the game is over. And that's what I don't understand about some of the Alabama fans who are so quick to, you give up a touchdown on the first drive. Oh, shoot. Fire the defensive coordinator. Oh, shoot. We're going to lose. I hate seeing that tweet of we're going to lose right there off the bat. Like, no, we're not. Like, how do you, like, let the game play out. And I love a lot of my friends texting me early. A lot of my Tennessee friend friends, a lot of my family friends, a lot of just friends from different walks of life saying, Joe, how you feeling? And what did I say? Patient, patience, just patience. Just let this thing play out. This game, these games are not won and lost in the first six or seven minutes of the game. These games are not won and lost really in the first halves. You've got to let both halves play out. And so what happened in the second half? Oh, Nick Saban says 27 to nothing on that volunteer behind. Oh, my gosh. Two plays. Two plays. And Jalen Milrow is in the end zone to Isaiah Bond. All right. So after the interception, after the interception, here's what I want you to realize. Jalen Milrow throws an interception into the end zone that it hurts. Yes, let's be honest. It was a bad interception. It was a I'm going to give Jermaine Burton a chance. And it bounced up and the safety took advantage of it. Was it the right throw? No, I don't think it was. Well, can you understand why Jalen Milrow threw it up to Jermaine Burton? Yes. If you've been watching their relationship over the last couple of weeks, you have seen that that uh, that chance, that chance throwing it up to Jay, uh, to Jermaine Burton on a one-on-one shot is not really been that bad of odds, really, for the Alabama Crimson Tide. You've seen Jermaine Burton make that play over A&M uh, defensive backs, and you've seen him make that play over Arkansas defensive backs. He had just caught a touchdown pass uh what a drive earlier so it's not like it's going to be that big of a risk now obviously turned into a problem turned into an interception which Tennessee cashed in for its last touchdown of the game but after the interception and think about the, what Jalen Milrow has done after interceptions literally all year long outside of the, te- the Texas game yeah the Texas game oh hurts my soul but after the Texas game, any interception that Jalen Milrow has thrown against Ole Miss in the first half, against AM in, in the second half, any interception that he's thrown, he has bounced back very, very well. What were his numbers after the interception? Four or five in the second half. Yeah, he only threw five bleeping passes in the second half. Four or five for 103 yards on a touchdown. One of them, obviously, the long bomb to Isaiah Bond to cut the lead to six points. All right, so you've cut the lead to six points, and uh, if, if Tennessee gets the ball back, Tennessee gets the ball back, and I believe, yeah, let me, let me make sure that where I'm at on my ch- drive chart. Yeah, Tennessee gets the ball back at their own 12-yard line, right? Uh, yeah, two, uh, drive started, yeah, at their own 12-yard line, basically off that weird fair catch thing. And we'll get into officiating here in just a minute. But what happens? Alabama's defense responds. Look, you got Alabama's defense responding extremely well in the second half. They go punt. They go punt. They go on downs. They go punt again. They go fumble, punt. They go on downs, and then the game is over. So they, they come out, and they get the stop right off the bat. Give the ball back to the offense. Now you're down six. Okay, you work sort of a drive, a decent drive. Will Riker field goal takes you down three. You get a turnover on downs. Oh my gosh, Josh Heupel. Josh Heupel. I love being aggressive. I love going forward on four, on fourth down. And really, the first fourth down, the first fourth down that uh, that you went for from your own 34 yard line in the first half, I was all about. You should have gone for that. Now, was it a little bit of a suspect spot on third down? I think it was. I'll be honest. I do think it was. But you went for it on fourth down, and you got stuffed. Uh, you got stuff. Joe Milton got stuffed on the edge. And so I think that it really, I agree with going forward on fourth down, but the play calls, the fourth down play calls were horrendous. Uh, you go for it again on your own. Let's see. This is from your own 25 yard line, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, 47, excuse me. This is on your own 47 yard line. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where your drive started. The Tennessee's drive started on the four. They punted. Then the next drive started on the 25. They w- turned it over on downs right at midfield on your own 47. The play calling on fourth down was absolutely horrendous. Uh, one, okay, it's fourth and short, and you're in the shotgun literally all three times. You're on, you're in the shotgun all three times, and what, quarterback keeper on two of them, and then you run an inside zone, basically a uh, power play to the running back on, on the middle one, the one that I'm talking about right now, the first fourth down of the second half. 
And what, what does Alabama do? You stuff it. Jihad Campbell and company stuffs it. And you walk, march right down the field. And you go from down three to up four on a Jace McClellan touchdown run. And at that point, the game is not over, but it's trending to be over. You, you, you're in the balance. You're in the balance. Uh, Tennessee gets the ball again on their own 25-yard line. They only go, what, 12, 7, 7, seven 8 yards. They go three plays. Yeah. Uh, they go three plays, seven yards, and they punt the ball again. Really, that fastball offense, the fast-paced offense, what Nick Saban was talking about, they run 2.7 plays per minute. Uh, that fast-paced offense is really, really good when you can get things going. Coach Saban even talked about it on Hey Coach about how Alabama's offense likes to play with tempo, but it's a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword. If you are getting things going, then of course you're in rhythm. Of course you're you're hurting the defense. It comes down to execution, and Coach Saban really hammering that, emphasizing that, and Tennessee in the second half largely did not execute. So so what happens? Alabama gets the punt again. You, you drive the field, you drive the field, and you get, boom, a 50-yard bomb from Will Reichert to go up three to up seven. And Will Reichert remembering his missed kick from last year. That's the last time Will Reichert has missed a kick was up there in Knoxville. Talking to after the game or talking before the game to Jenny Dell and telling her that the, that kick still haunts him. And I totally believe it because that was a kick that was within his range, would have given Alabama the 52-49 lead. Instead, it spotted Tennessee up for their last drive of the game. Uh, and you know what happened after that. All right, so the next drive, Alabama's up seven, and the momentum is just mounting, mounting, mounting. It's already mounted from really the first drive of the second half. The two plays and touchdown bomb, and Tennessee, you know, you should, you're on the ropes at that point. Brian Denny Stadium is on tilt at that point. You, Brian Denny Stadium is ready to get, like, literally the desperation that I just kind of a little bit poked fun at the Alabama Nation. Oh, the game is over. The game is over. The, the desperation was fully out on display at the start of the second half. And it was palpable in the crowd. It was palpable in Brian Denny Stadium. And I think that really uh, they were getting after it at that point. And so, boom, you get the 50-yard field goal. You're only down seven points now, Tennessee. You're only down seven points now. And the game's got, you know, what, eight, nine minutes left in the ball ballgame? Uh, you're, you're, well, actually, I believe it still had a whole other quarter left. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the fumble, no, that was in the fourth quarter. Yep, I'm following the drive chart. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, you, you have eight left, eight minutes left in the game. Eight minutes left in the game. You're down just seven points. And what's the drive chart say? You go three plays minus one yard. And on that third play, Oh, my gosh. Chris Braswell comes around the top of the inch. And, look, I know Dallas Turner. I love you, Dallas Turner. Dallas Turner has received a lot of the accolades, a lot of the attention for being the star stud edge rusher. And he absolutely is a stud. He's an absolute beast. He is a uh, he is a madman on the edge who I do not want to block, and I don't have any answers blocking. You saw him last week against Arkansas, cutting back to the inside and really ending the game, ending Arkansas's comeback chances, uh, getting a, sack, a big old sack on KJ Jefferson. So Dallas Turner absolutely deserves his due. And, yeah, did he, did he end up having a sack in this game? I think he did. Dallas Turner, yeah, five tackles, three for a loss, one sack, two, uh, one sack on the ballgame. But it was Chris Braswell. Chris Braswell's pressure that ultimately got the sack fumble on Joe Milton. And you saw my man uh, Jihad Campbell come around the edge, scoop and score, and boom, Alabama goes from up seven to up 14. And the door is essentially slammed shut in the game. From there, the game is pretty much over. You have the fumble. Tennessee punts on their next play. Three three plays, one yard, and a punt. Uh, Alabama, you know, they're only they're only able to uh, to put together a short little drive. They put they they were able to hold the ball for two minutes and fifty three seconds, but three plays, nine yards, and a punt. Tennessee goes for it again on their next play on downs. Alabama punts on their necks, and then the game is over. So, how does it feel? How does it feel? Alabama, you got the win back over Tennessee. You got the win back over Tennessee to basically right all the wrongs. Everything that was wrong in the world last year after Tennessee rushed the field through the goalpost into the river, everything that was wrong in the world is now right. And I am so, so thankful from an Alabama perspective. I'm so, so thankful from – 
uh, a guy who, who grew up right there in Chattanooga, a guy who has a lot of Tennessee fan friends. Uh, and yeah, to my friends, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you go home sad. Not really. I'm not that sorry. I know people have gone out on social media this week and said, oh, it was Alabama Super Bowl. No, it's not Alabama Super Bowl, but it's just one of those games that just means a lot. I mean, I mean, I know Tennessee has not been a premier program over the last 17 years, but winning 16 out of 17, it just means a lot. And to have Tennessee, look, uh, I don't know if you heard me on the program last week or if you heard me with Michael Bronner down, uh, down in Mobile, 105.1 or 105.5, excuse me, 105.5 WNSP. Uh, I said it, and I'm sorry if, if any Tennessee fan disagrees with me. But they are the nastiest people in the world, in the SEC. They handle winning so, so poorly. And they did last year by rushing the field, tearing down the goalpost, and acting like they'd won everything. You see the commemorative coffee table books out of one win beating. I mean, you beat an Alabama team that didn't even make the playoffs. Great job. Good job. You beat Bryce Young. Uh, and, yes, it took 17 penalties to do it. It took a couple of targeting calls that weren't called on Bryce Young to do it. Uh, in the week after his injury, yeah, Alabama should have won last year. Jameer, uh, Jameer Gibbs, you dropped the ball. Uh, you dropped the ball that would have set up Will Reichert on a chip shot field goal to win. But you didn't. That's not what happened. Well, that's not what happened. Tennessee won last year. Tennessee won last year, and they acted like the world was ending. They acted like they had uh, conquered the world, that they were going to the college football playoff, that they were going to be the national champions. They're the nastiest winners in the world, and you're seeing it now over the last three, three days on social media. They're also the worst losers in the SEC. How many screenshots have you seen about the officials, the calls this, the calls that? Here's the deal. Look, Alabama fans who cried about calls last year, you're losers. I'm sorry, you are. Tennessee fans who cry about officials this year, you're losers too. I'm sorry, you are. Look, I grew up playing high school football, average Andy athlete, never going to make it in college football, never. And that's fine. But you realize that you're going to get good calls. You're going to get bad calls. Officials are going to make calls and officials are going to miss calls. It's a part of the game. Literally happens every game, every year. What it is and what it isn't. There's no conspiracy for Alabama or against Alabama. You can you can look back over a twenty uh, over the Nick Saban year period and see that Alabama is in the top thirty percent of penalties called against them, and in the bottom thirty uh, percent of penalties called for them. Like, this is just over the course of time, the statistics have bared out. There's no officiating bias for Alabama, uh, and there's no officiating bias against Alabama either. I, I, I truly do not believe that. And if you want to call me naive, you can. Look, you can go back and point out screenshots for Tennessee, screenshots for Alabama, both in this game and in last year's game. And what do I say about last year's game? Okay, yeah, you get the interception at the very end of the game that would have won the game for Alabama but got called back for pass interference, yada, yada, yada. Who cares? Was it pass interference? Who knows? I don't think it was, but what it ended up being was pass interference because that's what the officials called. The officials called pass interference last year, gave the ball back to Tennessee. Tennessee cashed in with a touchdown, and the game went on as called. What do you do? You have to play and play the game. You have to play every single play. Just like, okay, go, go. let's take it outside of Alabama and Tennessee. Think about New Orleans and New Orleans and the Rams and the LA Rams. What, four, five years ago, three, four years ago, Drew Brees throws it down into the end zone. And it was, it should have been a pass interference call. It should have been. The guy knocked the New Orleans receiver out before the ball got to him. Should have been pass interference, but it wasn't called. I'm sorry, Saints fans, it wasn't called. So they kick a field goal, there's more time left on the clock, and what? The Rams went down and scored a touchdown to win the game. And people are saying, oh, well, the officials screwed, they screwed, they screwed New Orleans, they screwed New Orleans. Okay, was it a bad call? Yeah, it was a bad call. Did New Orleans still have a lot more chance in that game to win the game? 
Absolutely. By executing, by executing in the red zone, by, for, by, by st- making a defensive stop. There are ways that you can overcome. You can play better than the rest. You know what you don't do against Alabama when you get bad calls? You don't go for it on fourth down and call the most basic, the most basic uh, play calls on fourth down right into the teeth of the Alabama defense. You know what you do do? You get out on the edge. You challenge Alabama out on the edge, and you try to get two or three yards. On the on the edge, you move a tight end across the formation. You try to get uh, you try to get a, a running back across the formation. You try you try to get crossers, and you 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 try to use space, utilize space. You don't go right at Alabama, Josh Heupel. I'm sorry, you made some dumb calls. Your offense executed at a poor rate. Now look, go back earlier in the game. Earlier in the game, the second drive, the Tennessee settles for a field goal. Uh, the ball bounces. Joe Milton throws it. Uh, right into the end zone, the, t- the Tennessee tight end it goes off of his hands and goes for an incompletion on third down. How about just how about you catch the dang ball, Tennessee tight end, catch the ball in the end zone and take your touchdown and punish the Alabama offense for not executing early in the game. I'm sorry, I have no patience, no sympathy for blame the ref talk, none at all. Not for New Orleans Saints when they t- when they cried about it with the Rams. Not for Alabama. Not not for Alabama last year. Okay, were some of the calls questionable for or against Alabama? Should Bryce Young have gotten a targeting call or at least a roughing the passer call here or there? Probably so, but who cares? You play the next play. You continue to play. You play. You, you try to execute at the best of your own abilities. You don't turn and say, well, Stripes just had it against us this, this week. I'm sorry. The Alabama fans who cried about last year's officiating sounded like whiny losers to me. And Tennessee, the fans right now who are crying about the made and missed calls. Oh, you should have been a holding on the touchdown pass to Isaiah Bond. Well, should it have been? Sure. I will agree with that. The call was missed. It was absolutely missed. But is it a tough call? Uh, it's, It's tough to deal with that. Sure. But you're still up. At that point, six points. What do you need to do? Not call, not, not get called for a fair catch call that downs you on the four-yard line. Not go three and out and punt the ball. Not go for it on your own 40-yard line and mess up and ultimately giving the ball back to Alabama right at midfield, uh, giving them a short field. I'm sorry. With Alabama's poor offensive execution and really going into the ball game, going into the ball game, Tennessee's great pass rush. Tennessee ultimately ended up getting four sacks in the game. Tennessee's great pass rush. I am kicking that dead gum ball away every single time. And I'm going to make Jalen Milrow, and I'm going to make the offensive line. I'm going to make everybody execute all the way down the field. What was Alabama's longest drive? What was the Crimson Tide's longest drive? Alabama's longest drive was 75 yards. Was the drive? Was the drive to start off the second half? Other than that, you got a touchdown drive of 59 yards, a field goal drive of 56, and a field goal drive of 46 yards. Uh, and then, of course, your your, your touchdown to basically uh, take the lead with Jace McClellan was just five-play, 47-yard drive. Why do you not kick the ball away? Why do you not make the Alabama drive the ball down the field? I get going forward on fourth down. I do. I get the aggression. I absolutely do. I like aggressive calls. I think it's very – I think you should believe in your own offense, believe in your own team. Absolutely. But goodness gracious, Josh Heupel, you're putting your defense in a terrible situation against an offense that has been mediocre at best. I mean, I like the Alabama offense. I like what Alabama can do on offense. But let's be honest with ourselves. The consistency for the Alabama offense has not really been there, has been poor at best, really poor at best. What you, so so? What are you doing? Going forward on fourth down, giving Alabama short fields, going right at look. Alabama's defense has been arguably the best defense in the conference, arguably the best defense in the league. So you're going to allow the best defense in the league to make big old plays, to make plays that give Alabama's team as a whole great confidence and great momentum. It just doesn't make sense. And I'm sorry. Yes, some of the officials missed some calls. You missed some calls on the holding for J.C. Latham right there on the touchdown pass. You did. I get that. And I'll give you that, Tennessee fans. And I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't like the later, uh, late in the game pass interference call on Jermaine Burton, the holding call of the, that Jermaine Burton called Drew. 
I, I, I didn't just from a football standpoint. I thought it was pretty ticky tacky. Um, now, was the was a fair catch call legal or was a fair catch call accurate? Josh Heupel said it himself that it was accurate. It was accurate uh, on Monday. Now, is it letter of the law? Sure. Uh, but yeah, you just don't do that. You don't, you, you don't leave, you know, granted flip side, Alabama fans are going to sit here and say, but Joe, but Joe, but Joe, you're right. What about the kid who hammered Roy Dell Williams in the back of the head, hammered him in the back of the head. Shouldn't that have been personal foul, 15 yards, unnecessary roughness? I think it should have been. I think there are missed calls on every single play. Every single play. You can call holding on pretty much every play. Uh, and, and I think that it's really up to the referee's discretion uh, on the game. Now, is that why you lost, Tennessee? No, it's not why you lost. I promise you it's not why you lost. Why you lost was Awful second-half execution. Awful second-half execution. And really, you lost control of the game. Uh, Risky calls. Josh Heifel made some desperate calls. And look, if you're going to go for it on fourth down, sure, fine. But don't run right into the teeth of the Alabama defense. I think that's incredibly dumb. I think that's highly, highly stupid to do. Yeah, I know. Alabama's been soft up front uh, the last couple of years, but this year's defense is much different. This year's defense is mean. This year's defense, I believe, to be one of Alabama's best. Maybe not quite 2016, maybe not quite 2011 or 2009, but one of Alabama's best under Nick Saban. I definitely agree. Now, you lost Terry and Arnold in the game uh, to a mild concussion, and Alabama's very, very fortunate, in my opinion, to, one, have Trey Amos come into the game and play very, very well. I think Trey Amos did acquit himself very well. Coach Saban talking about the play that Jihad Campbell ended up scoring on would have likely ended up in a Trey Amos interception. Secondarily, you're fortunate that Alabama is on a bye week. I'm very happy that Alabama is on a bye week. Everybody gets a little bit of a break. Uh, the, the players, the coaches, ourselves, we get a little bit of a breather. We can talk about basketball a little bit. We can talk about other teams a little bit. We can talk about college football a little bit as a whole. I'm excited that Alabama is on a bye week. I hope you all enjoy your bye week. On Saturday, men, go do something for your wives or your significant others. Go do something for your family. Score you some brownie points as the stretch run of the season is coming to uh, coming to a stretch run, uh, coming to a close, and you're going to want to have your Saturdays, especially next Saturday and what, three Saturdays from now, LSU and Auburn are coming up on, on tap. So go score yourself some brownie points by getting out of the house. Take everybody to the pumpkin patch. Go do something Halloween-y. Uh, enjoy your families on the bye week Saturday. I'm excited for bye week Saturday. I'm going to watch Alabama baseball. Watch Alabama baseball for BamaCentral.com. It'll start at noon at the Joe. It'll be free for you guys. Alabama will play Florida State in two seven-inning exhibitions, and I'll be there for uh, for for BamaCentral.com, so you guys can follow along with me at BamaCentral.com. But look, you have Tennessee, who really urinated the game away. That's what it was. Urinated the game away. And really the fans, I think the fans right now are dealing with the fact that they had Alabama down and out at 13-point lead. Look, if, if if Tennessee doesn't allow the 75-yard touchdown uh, drive to start the second half, if they get instead, excuse me, instead a, a stop on downs and ultimately end up cashing in with even a field goal, with even a field goal, to take a 13-point lead to 16 points right there in the second half, you probably win. I think it just shows great resilience, great effort on the part of Alabama. And Nick Saban talking about this year's team, really, really testing his patience, but in, he, enjoying this year's team, enjoying this year's team's ability to really fight through adversity. He said he came into the locker room saying, all right, it's time to make a choice, guys. What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? Who do you want to be? And the guys really, really responded. All right, one more point on the game, and then we will talk about Michigan, their scouting, and college football as a whole. You're listening to the Joe Gaither Show right here on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. You're watching, you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon, and on Spotify. Go tell a friend about the program. Subscribe, rate, review the program as we continue to break down the Alabama football season week by week by week. All right, so last point is while we while Alabama's in the bye week, Nick Saban, you got to do something. 
I know Nick Saban, you were up at the Birmingham uh, Quarterback Club on Monday, and I know Alabama is back to practice Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Alabama will take Friday off. Nick Saban's leaving town Friday to go to the lake for Thursday evening and Friday day. Uh, I think he's going to go Friday day and Saturday day. Uh, but uh, Nick Saban, you got to do something. I need you to do something real bad. And look, I love, I love you, Kool-Aid McKinstry. I do. Kool-Aid is a hell of a player, a hell of a corner. But Kool-Aid has been broken in one area of his game. All right, I know I complain about Kool-Aid and his mouthpiece usage. Uh, this is not about that. That, that. that is a personal problem that I have. Not, not, not a Kool-Aid problem, not an Alabama problem. That's a Joe Gaither problem. Kool-Aid, you can wear your mouthpiece however the hell you want to as long as you keep covering uh, wide receivers the way you are, as long as you keep locking down one side of the field. But Kool-Aid, we got a problem. You, we have an Alabama problem with you, Kool-Aid McKinstry, and it is in the punt return game. Oh, my gosh. Two, three, three weeks in a row. Uh, yeah, at least three weeks in a row. I've started making cut-ups of Kool-Aid McKinstry avoiding, avoiding catching the ball. Now, Kool-Aid, look, 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 look. You are one of the best athletes on the field, and I have not, I cannot hold a candle. I cannot hold a candle to your athleticism. If I were running around against you, Kool-Aid, you could guard me blindfolded, laughing all the way. Absolutely. Uh, But Kool-Aid, 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 what are we going to do here, buddy? You're giving up lots and lots of field position to the offense. And we just outlined earlier in the the program the inconsistencies that the Alabama offense has had. And we just outlined the ways that Tennessee's offense and the ways that Josh Heupel had really aided Alabama's offense this past weekend. And and Alabama thanks you for that, Josh Heupel. But the times, the the times where Alabama, uh, where where Josh Heupel did choose to punt, I guess in in moments where it was obvious, where he wasn't uh, really tempted to go for it on fourth down, uh, uh, moments where he really had to punt the ball away. Kool-Aid McKinstry, what did you catch the ball one time? One time the entire day? Now look, Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid, look, Kool-Aid, I love you. I love you. Let's hear that first. You're a great player first. You're absolutely an excellent player. But Kool-Aid, you are costing Jalen Milrow a lot of yards. You're costing Alabama's offense a lot of yards. And look, Kool-Aid, we don't need, Alabama doesn't need you to return the ball for 60 yards and a touchdown every time. I know you have that capability. We have seen it before. You're one of, you're a hell of a returner when you get the ball, when you catch the ball, and you're a hell of a returner when you got a block or two in front of you. You are one of the best athletes on the field, and you are one of the best players with the ball in your hands. But Kool-Aid, the first step of punt returning is catching the gosh darn football. I'm sorry. Catch the gosh darn football, Kool-Aid, whether you need to wait for a fair catch and not return it, it's fine. You don't need to return it. You don't need to return another kick if you don't want to. You don't need to put yourself in harm's way. And I don't know. I don't know if it is an issue about I don't want to get hit. Uh, I don't want to get hit in the open field. I don't want to take a gunner's shot to my chest or to my head. I don't want to put myself in harm's way. That could be it. I think that's a small, small percentage of it. But Kool-Aid, what I really think it is, is you bobbled some balls this year. You muffed some punts. Now, I don't think it's, I don't think Kool-Aid's afraid of getting hit. Nah, I, don't, I don't think so at all. Uh, now, could he be more physical on the defense side of the ball in run support? Sure. Yeah, he could. But I don't think he's really inherently afraid of being hit. What I think is uh, dating back to the USF game and a couple of other times in this season, he has muffed punts. And that has really gotten in his head, at least from my perspective, my amateur eyes. And Kuwait, I'm sorry. We got whatever you got to do in these 10 days. You either need to figure it out, figure it the bleep out, or we need to put Isaiah Bond. You need to put Jermaine Burton. You need to put Caleb Downs. You need to put Terry and Arnold. You need to figure out somebody else, Coach Saban, to put back there. And even if they don't give you one single return yard, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you don't get another return yard the rest of the year. You cannot, you cannot, for the life of you, Alabama, you cannot have the punt fall down two or three feet away from the punt returner and then roll another 5, 10, 15, 20 yards down the field and give the team that much more field position. I'm sorry, Kool-Aid. Do we love you? Of course we love you. You're, you're, You're one of the most beloved players on this team. But what you cannot do the rest of the year, I'm sorry, the next time you wait for a fair catch and move away from the ball anyways, I'm sorry. You, you got to be out of there. Coach Saban, please, please, please. 
I know the next game that I coach will be my first, and I may be way out of line giving you any sort of suggestions. But what you've got to do is get a gosh darn punt returner who's going to catch the gosh darn ball. It's a it's a problem for Alabama. It's a problem for Alabama. And Kool-Aid, as much as we love you, as great of an athlete as you are, if you don't want to catch the ball, if you're afraid of muffing the ball, if you're afraid of getting hit, whatever the case may be, I don't want to put myself in your shoes or in your brain because I don't belong in your shoes or in your brain. I, I, I cannot hold a candle to your athleticism. Your God-given ability is by far away far greater than I have ever had and ever than, than I could ever imagine. I have caught a punt or two in a football practice or two, but never in a game situation. So I cannot sit there and say that anybody would be – who would be better. But, Coach, you've got to figure out somebody who's at least going to catch the ball. At least catch the ball, whether it's Justice Haynes, whether it's Roydell Williams, whether it's a wide receiver, Malik Benson, whether it's Burton, whether it's Bond, whoever it is, whether it's Ja'Cory Brooks, it doesn't matter. Somebody needs to catch these punts and quit giving away an extra 10 to 15 yards of field position. It just has to happen going forward. you got four more games left in the regular season. And Alabama, you've got to win them all. You have to win them all. You literally cannot drop another game. But look at the rest of the college football landscape. Look at Washington, Oklahoma, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State. There are teams that are, you know, and Georgia, Georgia, of course. Cannot leave out the Georgia Bulldogs, the two-time national champions. Look at these other schools who are who have the inside track for the college football playoff. You have to start improving in a lot of these other areas, but one being offensive execution. And one, uh, one area right now that's really bugging me watching Alabama football games is punt returning. Do you need five yards of punt return? Do you need 20 yards of punt return? No, you don't need any yards of punt return. You could live with zero yards of punt return for the next four games and beyond. You could. But what you cannot live with the rest of the year is the ball bouncing and going 5, 10, 15, 20 yards back and putting the Alabama offense back on the goal line, back inside the 5, back inside the 10, whatever the case may be. And Kool-Aid, do I believe you can do this? Yes. I've seen you do it. I know you can do it. I know you can catch a punt. But that's all you need. That's all Alabama needs is for you to catch the punt and get the offense, uh, give the ball back to the offense in decent field position. So that's my that's my spiel on Kool-Aid McKinstry. That's my spiel on some of the game. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to be re-watching the game tonight. I was sick as uh, – I was not, not feeling good yesterday. I didn't do any work yesterday, and for that, I apologize to you, the listener, to you, the viewer, to everybody who, who follows Bama Central. I deeply apologize because I uh, just was, was completely out of it. It was completely out of my own brain. Uh, so I'm going to be rewatching the game. You will see the blank, uh, the X number of things that I noticed about the Tennessee game on Bama Central's website tomorrow. And I'll be able to talk even more in depth about what Alabama did from an X's and O's standpoint, from a schematic standpoint, Nick Saban moving from odd front to an even front said that it shored up the defensive run support said that it shored up the pass protection, uh, the, excuse me, the pass coverage. You saw Chris Braswell. Going very back, going all the way back to the beginning of the conversation, you saw Chris Braswell give up the touchdown to Squirrel White. Well, if you were able to watch it from a, the top end perspective, you also saw Caleb Downs and Kool-Aid McKinstry really confused on that snap. And I think that coach changing up the front and changing up the coverages on the back end eliminated some of that confusion. And thus really uh, allowed the Alabama defense to clamp down on the Tennessee offense. Now, we're going to keep moving for the rest of the week. Alabama, Tennessee, we'll start getting into Alabama, LSU. I've reached out to a dozen and a half uh, big-name guests. We're not going to tease any of them because you've barely, I've gotten a, a couple of nibbles, but no, nobody's really bitten down and, and committed to join me. Hopefully, we will get a big-name guest or three of the rest of the week right here on the Joe Gaither Show. Uh, we'd love to have several of the guests that I've reached out to, and I think that you would love to hear from them. Uh, we'll see if that ends up happening. Uh, but, yeah, we'll stick with us the rest of the week. We'll break down more Alabama-Tennessee. We'll start getting into Alabama-LSU. We'll talk about Alabama-TCU just a little bit. But first, you've got to listen to Blue Collar Unplugged. Those guys hammering the Alabama-TCU game. We'll talk about Alabama and Wake Forest basketball getting going. We'll talk about Alabama-Florida State football getting going. The soccer team is having their uh, – they just wrapped up their home season 
Uh, big loss on Sunday against Mississippi State. Not good, not good, not fun. But we'll see what they are able to do as the SEC tournament approaches. Uh, we'll just keep covering all the Alabama sports. I want to say a big thank you to my friend Christy Curry, my friend Sarah Ashley Barker, and Loyal McQueen, Alabama women's basketball players who joined me on this show. They joined me on Thursday's edition. You can see them on the back end of the conversation that I had with Dan Harrelson. Uh, you can see that on YouTube, on Facebook, Twitter. Again, listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on Amazon. All right, so last topic before I get out of here is on Michigan. If you guys are following college football, oh, my gosh, the Michigan Wolverines. Oh, my gosh. And Mr. Harbaugh, Jimmy. Jimmy Harbaugh. Oh, my gosh. Jimmy is in trouble. And here's the deal. Do not mess with the NCAA. Don't mess with them. Don't mess with the NCAA and don't lie to them. Especially, look. Don't lie to him on something so benign as uh, COVID visits. We saw, obviously, Tennessee uh, had some COVID visits, and they got majorly busted. But I think they really wanted to get busted at such a level that uh, that uh, Jeremy Pruitt got really raked over the coals, and they were able to save a lot of money. Jim Harbaugh lied about COVID visits and tried to get himself slapped with a three-game suspension from his own university. And now, over the last week and change, Oh, Jimmy Harbaugh, you're in trouble. You're in bad trouble, man. Uh, It sounds like Jim Harbaugh and his Michigan Wolverines have been violating some scouting rules in the NCAA. Now, look, whether you agree that scouting, uh, in-person scouting should be legal or shouldn't be legal, and whether you agree that using recording devices should or shouldn't be legal is neither here nor there. I personally have no issue with scouting another team or trying to steal signals. If I am uh, coaching a football team, I am hopeful that my assistants are picking up on signals from the other sidelines. I am. I definitely am. Now, the issue is you cannot go to other teams' games in person filming sidelines with the sole purpose of stealing signs. And it sounds like Jim Harbaugh has had a member of his Michigan staff doing that for the last three years. Oh, my gosh. You're in trouble, my guy. You're absolutely in trouble. Uh, you you were at the uh, you were at the Ohio State Georgia game last year. Unfortunately, you didn't go to any TCU games. You look at the uh, Big Ten record. Look, if I'm a Big Ten if I'm a Big Ten University member, if I'm Northwestern, if I'm Indiana, if I'm Illinois, Purdue, if I'm Wisconsin, if I'm Michigan State, not not so much Ohio State, but a little bit Ohio State. But if I'm some of these smaller time schools, imagine. You're playing against Michigan. You're recruiting against them on the recruiting trail. All right, that's fine. They have a lot more money than you. They have a lot better facilities than they than you do. They have a lot more tradition than you do. Okay, that's fine. Uh, they beat you on the recruiting trail for Johnny X, Johnny Five Star. All right, uh, no problem. That stuff is going to happen. But it also... Instead of just beating you on the recruiting trail and bringing in better talent than you could bring in, sorry, Northwestern, you can't bring in a whole lot of great talent. Sorry, Purdue, not a whole lot of Drew Brees is coming to your school anymore. Like, I'm sorry, Indiana and Illinois. I know Indiana's got the uh, little McMahon kid, and that, that that's a cool story. But, like, you don't have the same talent coming in that Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State has. If you're Rutgers, I would be so dang, ew, I'd be so irritated. I'd be so angry because not only are you beating us probably fairly on the uh, on the recruiting trail, especially now that NIL is a thing. You're probably throwing, throwing around NIL deals and NIL dollars for Johnny Five Star. And, okay, you can do that. That's no problem. But the, pro- the issue is you're not only beating us where you have more resources with NIL, with recruiting, with this, that, and the other. Okay, that's cool. Whatever. You got a better player. You got a better roster. But not only that, you have to send your you have to send coaches to our games to steal signals because you either a can't scout on your own. You can't draw tendencies from the game tape that everyone and their mother sends back and forth to one another. I'm sorry, you can't you you can't figure out our tendencies off of that. It's not like you're bad coaches. Uh, your talent alone can't be better than us. You can't give us a chance. I, I'm sorry. Uh, you see what happens when they play TCU. They gave up 51 bleeping points and lose the college football playoff. Why? Because they never sent anybody to a TCU game to steal the TCU signs. And boom, as soon as you get into a game where the, you don't have the other team's signs, oh, you look like, oh, a real close game. 
you look like, oh, I don't know how to stop a nosebleed. Oh, our third down defense is really bad. Our third down defense is faltered. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely laughable and disrespectful. If you're Ohio State, oh my gosh, I think I would. I know I said earlier I may not be as mad, but Ohio State, what about it? From the Alabama perspective, let's just put it as Alabama. Let's say that Tennessee or Auburn is doing this. And for the last two years, Tennessee or Auburn has beaten you after many years. Tennessee, a great example. Tennessee, you go 16 years, you go 15 years beating them, and then they win two in a row. And you're like, oh, dang, that, that really stinks. The, the rivalry's flipped. And then you figure out they won those two games in a row because they stole your signs illegally? Oh, my gosh. I, I would want to burn Michigan to – I would want to burn Tennessee to the ground in that situation. I would. You to, to steal, Look, I'm all about getting the best competitive edge. I really am. I think if you can figure out another team's signals from the skybox and you are able to take advantage of it, go for it. Do it, my man. But the problem is you're sending people in-person scouting. And look, I might sound ignorant. It might go on all the time. But the, but, but really why this is getting uncovered is because Jimmy Harbaugh lied to the NCAA. You lie to the NCAA, they're going to come poking around looking for more stuff. They're going to come poking around looking for more problems, and they're going to try to bust you. They're going to try to bend you over their knee and bust you. And now, Jimmy Harbaugh, you're getting busted. You're getting bent over the knee, and it's uh, you know just karma, honestly. Honestly, it's, it's karma. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't think there was ever be going to be a day where you left Michigan and went back to the NFL. I know a lot of people you guys know I'm a big Bears fan. Uh, my, a lot of my Bears fans' friends are saying, yes, let's go get Jim Harbaugh. Let's bring him in. No, I don't want Jim Harbaugh because he's shown you that he can't coach without cheating. He can't coach without stealing signals. Look, it's like playing a video game power-up. If I play with my power up and I've got super speed, yada, 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 whatever game you want to play, uh, and I'm dominating my game because not only do I have super speed, but, uh, you know, I also have the best player in the game with my NIL dollars. Oh, and the second that you take away my super speed and the talent is a little closer with TCU, not, not, I mean, obviously Michigan more talented than TCU last year. Point blank. I'm sorry. Yeah, TCU had a great team. They did have a great team. And I know they lost 65-7 to to Georgia, but they had a, good, a pretty good team. Did they have a team as talented as Michigan? No. Let's be honest with ourselves. They didn't. But they ended up playing against Michigan. Michigan didn't know how to play. It's like, oh, we forgot how to game plan for a team that we don't have signals for. We don't really have a great plan for a team that we don't have signals for. We can stare over to the sidelines and say, hey, they're running a sprint draw. Let's uh, load the box and, uh, and and key in on the running back. Hey, they're running a slant. Hey, they're running RPO. Hey, they're running this, they're running that. Let's stop it. Oh, my gosh. I would be so livid, so livid from a Big Ten perspective. Uh, if I'm Northwestern, if I'm Indiana, if I'm Purdue, if I'm any of these Big Ten schools that are operating, that are fighting uphill. I mean, you already know you're playing the Ohio States of the world, the Penn States of the world. You're playing the Michigans of the world. These are blue blood type programs. Sorry, Penn State, you're not quite there, but you're close. Ohio State, Michigan, blue bloods of college football. And the blue bloods are the ones cheating to keep you down? That's absurd. It's, it's, it's laughable. And and really, NCAA, you should rake, oh my gosh, you should rake the coals, rake Michigan over the coals, and uh, really punish them very, very harshly, in my opinion. Will that keep uh, Michigan out of the college football playoffs? Might. But what I think it will do is this coming, uh, what, a couple of weeks from now when Michigan plays Penn State and at the last week of the season when Michigan plays Ohio State and they don't have their signals stolen anymore? I think you're going to see a beatdown of great proportion from Penn State and from Ohio State. I think that would be great karma. And so we'll get out of here on that note. You can chime in on the cheating. You can chime in on the signal stealing right there on the Facebook, on the Twitter, on the YouTube, at JoeGaither6. You can shoot me a friend request on Instagram, Snapchat, wherever you want to, at JoeGaither6. This is the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central and BamaCentral.com. We're going to be back with the rest of the week. I'm feeling a lot better. I got my H2O. I'm chugging the water. I'm feeling a lot better. I'm sorry I missed your days yesterday. I'm hopeful to be back the rest of the week and get you ready for LSU in two weeks. So 
Be with us on BamaCentral.com. Subscribe to the other Bama Central Broadcasting Network podcast. Our friends, Blue Collar Unplugged, just dropped their latest episode. Matthew Gibson, Blake Byler, and Jacob Pickle. We are so thankful for those guys giving you great content. Alabama basketball is coming up very, very soon, and we'll be talking about it right here as well on the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central at BamaCentral.com.